Welcome to All Road 65 Max Radio, where the road ahead gets brighter as we journey toward truth, traveling through our dreams and inspiration into a new reality. It's time, and your ticket is waiting. All aboard All Roads Lead 65 Max with Pamela Henderson. Greetings. Thank you for joining me on BBS Radio, All Road 65 Max. I am your host, Pamela L. Henderson. My focus is my mission statement to help create a quality of life through social growth, inspiring jewels to become leaders by establishing partnerships with corporations, entrepreneurs, donors, sponsors, volunteers, the community, and abroad. Please join me every other Tuesday at noon on BBS Radio, All Rose 65 Max. My special guest today is Paige Ewing, analytics and AI thought leader, technical writer, archer of the Liliana and the Faye of Phaetonville series. She writes about superheroes in sentient cities where spiders and gun-loving fairies, werewolves, and fighter pilots. By day, Paige writes articles and technical books for O'Reilly Publishers about analytics, software, and data architecture. In her spare time, Paige loves to shoot arrows, throw axes, and spears. She lives in the middle of Texas and will show you far too many pictures of her garden if you allow her. She once invented a way to grow food on Mars and NASA liked it and has a cute trophy to show for it. Well, her dogs and horses, unimpressed. <laughs> At last. It takes a lot to impress them. <laughs> That's funny. At last, I want to say thanks again for giving me this interview chance page and welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> so tell me before we get started, because I'm going to get straight to it, but I want to know about the stress relief, because I know about throwing those axes and them spears. Is that part of that stress relief? I do it mostly for fun. Yeah, I, uh, I've i been in the uh, SCA, which is Society for Creative Anachronisms. It's a, a medieval recreation society for about 40 years, and uh, I run... Um, practices sometimes for the community on uh, doing archery and march and um throwing weapons which is throwing axes throwing spears throwing throwing knives whatever you want to sharp wow. things hurling them at targets i want to do that i want to do that i it's think fun. i would really enjoy it yeah it seems fun and really if you really think about it Doing something like that, I would consider that as a part of, of like a mental exercise because just say if you had a bad day and, you know, you just had to let it just roll off your shoulder. But at the end of the day, you know, OK, I'm getting ready to take this out <laughs> and I'm getting ready to go here and let these axes and everything. That's stress relief. Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> it's almost so, zen too when you're doing the archery you just kind of got the focus and really uh it really just brings down your your stress level yeah it sounds like it i am going to get right to it Paige. here you are 
a thriving as an analytic software and data architecture. Question to you is, how did you become an established author? Well, I think I, I wrote uh, a few things with the Raleigh uh, uh, technical stuff with uh, uh, as um, it was sponsored. My company sponsored it. And okay. because I am kind of known in the field uh, because I give speeches and stuff at all these technical conferences and because I did a good job with some of the sponsored content, they, they, they hired me on to, to do every now and then they'll hire me and have me do some other, somebody else's uh, technical content. And it's, uh, it's fun. And, uh, and it earns a little money on the side and I usually turn around and spend it. Um, we? <laughs> to help promote my my fiction because oh, writing fiction is what I love to do, and um, it's it's what I do for the joy of it. And trying to get more people to read it um, requires a lot of time and money. That you know, it's like uh, I can't I can't tell my husband. It's like uh, I'm going to take money uh, away from what we you know used to pay the bills. Right. <laughs> I can say I earned this money over here. I'm going to spend it over there. And he's like. <laughs> you wrote your first novel, Liliana, in the Faye of Fadenfield series that started with Precise Oath. Can you tell me a little bit about that novel? So it's, so it's not my first novel. Um, it's the first oh, novel in the series, um, but okay. I've written a few other ones. Uh, you know, it's been a while uh, that since I published. But Liliana in the Faye of Fadenfield is about um, a were spider fortune teller who lives in Fayetteville, uh, North Carolina, about 30 years in the future. And it's kind of a hopeful future where uh, technology has advanced to the point where gasoline is obsolete mm. um, and the world has become more and more green. And now all of the sort of uh, creatures that, that thrived in the world before technology took over are starting to come back. So your were creatures and your fae that are... Um, very centered on the earth and things like that are coming back. And now they're in this future uh, uh, world and they're trying to, uh, you know, find their place in it and um, figure out how the new balance is with technology and magic. Wow. Very interesting. Paige, you are a true servant leader, I must say, reading about you, <laughs> who lives by her life motto always willing to serve. And that that is very, now that is the character in, in my eye. That is the character when we're out here serving others, in my opinion. So in your opinion, what makes a great mentor and how do you create within someone to promote personal growth and enlightenment? Because that is what we do. Well, a lot of um, a lot of what I try to do with my fiction is uh, very, very quietly change the world. Um, <laughs> essentially, I grew up um, reading science fiction and fantasy. I love it. I always was, you know, even from a little kid, I just absorbed it like crazy. But when I was a kid, um, all the characters were white. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the ones that actually did anything interesting were male. Um it was assumed that everybody in the universe was straight. Um, even when you went a hundred years into the future, there's still all these white straight males doing everything. And that was because most of the authors back in the day were, were white men. 
and they wrote about, you know, what they knew. Um, so as a, as I began writing fiction, one of the things that I made absolutely sure is my world, my world doesn't look like that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this, is, this is not the world I live in. Um, and I'm going to make darn sure that my fictional worlds don't look that way either. Right. Um, it's like my my foster brother uh, was gay. My daughter is bi. Um, my my grandkids are all half Hispanic and bilingual and te- speak Spanish as well as English. My uh, my first fiance was uh, Sue. Uh, I uh, you know my uh, my stepfather was in the Cheyenne Arapaho uh, American Indian Movement. Uh, when I was a kid, it's like, this is, this is the world I grew up in. And this is, this is my universe. And this is real to me. And yet when I sat down and wrote precise oaths, um, everybody in it was white (laughs) and straight (laughs) and all of the, all of the, you know, the police officers and the um scientists and you know they were all men and then their wives and the homemakers and all that were women and I was and I I did it and then I looked at it and I went what (laughs) what did I just (laughs) what am I thinking (laughs) and I, I think what I realized is that you grow up the this the fiction world the fiction that you grow up with really mm-hmm. shapes your thoughts. It really shapes the way you see the world. It really shapes the way you think good fiction is written too. And I think um, what I went back di- and did is I just randomly gender swapped and um, orientation swapped and race swapped and just changed everybody kind of almost completely at random. Um, and then I discovered, Hey, look now my, um, you know, my police detective is is a black woman. Well, that's got to give her some attitude because you can't be a police woman and be a black woman and not have some attitude. Right. Because, like, <laughs> uh, now I've got, um, you know, my scientist heroic character is now gay. Well, what does that change? Well, his significant other is now a guy. And otherwise, it doesn't change anything. Right. <laughs> it's like he should, he should be still the heroic scientist <laughs> character. And I think that exercise kind of helped me a lot uh, become a better writer um, okay. a richer world but it also means that I can hand this book to my grandkids and anybody that wants to read it and now they're going to grow up and the, and in my little drop of you know it's a drop in the ocean I realized that but my little drop of that ocean is is not going to be all white dudes in space. (laughs) This this gives you a little, you know, you can grow up looking at this and seeing somebody who isn't, you know, who is, who is different, who might look like you, um, uh, you know, doing something cool. And I think that's, it's like if, if you're a kid and you're, you know, heading teenage years and you're starting to think maybe I might be gay. It's like, look, there's a gay hero. Um, I could be a hero. Um, the, the whole idea is that the kids that are a couple of generations past me won't, won't have that problem of 
you're, oh, you know, this is the way fiction was written and this is how the world has to be because this is what I grew up reading. They're going to grow up reading better fiction. <laughs> I think. Um, but also, you know, uh, with the world that's filled with people that look like their neighbors and, and look like them. And wow. That's one of my goals is to make sure that the world is very diverse and interesting. Absolutely. Let's not get bored, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so, that's like a that's like a, the 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 worst sin you can do as a writer is to bore your reader. Well, yeah, we have to avoid that. That is so true. So, who is your favorite character that you've written? I and this is you know kind of because precisely this is my newest um, series, the Liliana and the Fay of Fayetteville series stars Liliana, and she is definitely my favorite character that I have ever written. Although possibly Siobhan as a close second. I'll have to, <laughs> I might have to. That's fair, right? <laughs> yeah. So Liliana is, is um, extremely unusual. Most of your urban fantasy heroines are kind of big and tough and aggressive. And um, I've been reading Alona Andrews, Kate Daniels series, and I love that series, but okay. she's a powerful magic user. And she's the, um, the child of this super uber, you know, godlike creature. And she's, you know, and she's been trained from childhood to be an amazing swordsman and she can right. beat anybody. And, and her first instinct, whenever anybody says something she doesn't like is to punch them, you know? And I, <laughs> it's like, I, I wanted a character who would really rather make you tea. Um, okay. <laughs> it's like maybe she is very confident, competent when it comes to combat, but that's, that's like her, you know, last resort. Her first resort is, you know, let's be friends. And um, I love the cozy fantasy movement. Um, if you, I don't know if you've read Legends and Lattes or no, um, I haven't. Along with there's a there's a science fiction one. Uh, Becky Chambers, a, a long way to a small angry planet. I think is the name of it. Okay, um, the first book in that series, and she, and they're just wonderful. Of you know we can have fantasy and we can have science fiction and we don't have to have a body count or right. or that kind of thing. It's like, you can have a, a uh, unusual people trying to figure out their way in the world and, and, you know, that sort of thing, making friendships and found family and all these quirky characters figuring out where they fit misfits, you know, finding, finding a new place. And, Someone called my uh, called precise cozy fantasy, and I was very flattered. I was like, "Oh, that's very nice of you to say," but at the same time, I was like, "You do realize there's a beheading in this book, right?" <laughs> right? <laughs> like, th there's some pretty intense action um, in this book. Um, and she was like, "Yeah, it's got that too, but it's also got quirky family characters and found family and." Um, you know, a, a sort of emphasis on social relationships and, mm -hmm. and, you know, being, you know, coming out of your shell and making friends and, and things like that. And I'm like, that's true. <laughs> She's right. Right. <laughs> I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> it's like, that is very true. And I, I didn't even do it intentionally, but I think that's exactly what I wrote is very much a cozy fantasy with a side of combat. 
All right, that sounds some, good. Some intense action in there, but uh, otherwise, it's it's very much aimed at um, character growth and and finding your way and uh, and uh, coming out of your shell. I think to absolutely yes. You have your new novel, if I'm correct, coming out November of this year. Explosive chemistry. Explosive it's an urban and futuristic fantasy, and it's book two. Uh, precise book two, book one. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, romance and how juicy is this book? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I would say the series is a slow burn romance. Um, okay. The books are. It's like the first one or two books are more urban fantasy than there are romance mm-hmm. because it's slow burn. <laughs> it's like you meet the love interest in the first book. And then there's a little bit of a kiss in the second book. And then by the third book, things are getting a little hotter. <laughs> I think oh. like, the explosive chemistry is really where um, where you see the romance really get going. And, wow. Um, uh, so it, it happens and you can kind of you can kind of get the idea. Oh, I see. This is, this is, this is going somewhere. <laughs> um, but uh, I think, again, it's mostly it's mostly a cozy fantasy with with action adventure. Um, it's very urban fantasy, very, um, very much. It is, in essence, a, a murder mystery. Um, and both of the first two books are that way. It's like there is there is a murder. Um, the first one, Liliana is accused. There's a there's like six soldiers have been killed and they think Liliana did it and she has to escape and um, uh, convince the, the the investigator that she's not the one that did it. And then save him from the real murderers and find the real murderers and all that kind of thing. Um, the second book is kind of like she 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 is a fortune teller. She can see the future with her special spider eyes because um, she's a wear spider. and um, she sees that more murders are going to happen. And then she starts really looking and she sees there are a lot of murders that are going to happen. And in fact, they are her friends are going to die if she doesn't do something about it. Um, And a lot of what they're trying to figure out, what she's trying to figure out through the book is why, why, you know, she lives in this little town in, in North Carolina and how come all of a sudden everybody she looks at, um, she sees them getting murdered in the future. And it's like, what's going on? What, 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 you know, and that's the mystery of, uh, uh, of the book is trying to figure out who did it, catching the bad guy, you know, so I, you know, is it a, it's, it's set in the future. It's set in the real world. It's got fantasy creatures. It's got a whodunit in it. I I have not yet figured out how to write only one genre. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question. You tend to mix genres together. Do. Why don't you just pick one? Just pick one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> I um I've never written only one genre in my life. I've I've been publishing since 2005 and every single book I've written has been has you could shelve it in at least two shelves and it would be appropriate in that place. I uh I I have a friend um David Watson. Um he uh he used to build crossbows for a living and he's he's been a friend for a long time and he recently did a historical novel um 
the Arrow Rangers, I think is what it's called. And it's it's got biplanes and dragons uh, doing dogfights in, in the story. And I'm like, that's kind of an example. It's like historical fiction with dragons doing the, you know, it's just, I, I think a lot of the best stories mix genres. I mean, if you look at, if you look at a superhero story, let's say you're looking at Dr. Strange. I like that one. All right. So is Dr. that strange? A, yeah. Dr. Strange, the, the Marvel superhero movie. Like, okay. Yes, okay. Except it's a movie about a magic user. So oh. would that make it fact- fantasy? It's like, well, yeah, but he's got to figure out um, who is the bad guy and and stop him from, you know, and and why why has he done this terrible thing? It's like that's very mystery, um, and it's like it, you all the best stories seem to mix um, genres, and I I I like reading that, and so I, <laughs> I think that's that's what it really comes down to, is every writer I know writes the books they they really want to read. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what I do. I like reading multiple genres. So I, I write. Right. So that's what you do. You just, you know, do you go into this room and you just to take your tea with you and you just concoct some of these stories. I mean, is that, is that how it goes? And from everything that you've been reading? I, uh, I am, I'm an ADHD person. I, I, I am so easily distracted. Um, and when I was a child, it's like, they didn't really have that uh, as a diagnosis. They didn't really know what was wrong. They called me flaky and daydreamy and all this other stuff. And what it really meant was when I was supposed to be doing my homework, I was looking out the window, making up stories (laughs) and, um, in my head. And that's, that's what I've always done is made up stories. And I just, I enjoyed it. I love playing pretend when I was a kid. Okay. I got a little older and I started playing Dungeons and Dragons and I just like making up stories. And uh, I love the werewolf, the apocalypse and, and vampire, the masquerade stories after that. It's like, you know, they were just successive ways to play pretend is really all that is. Yeah, and, that's it. Uh, you was just a little distracted. That's it. Uh, a little, because <laughs> I'm making, you know, I'm making spaceship battles up in my brain. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I can't, for, I can't focus on my math homework because, you know, I'm I'm busy trying to colonize Mars. <laughs> right. Okay. Come on down, you guys. I think I have something for you, right? <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and it's always, uh, it's done me good. I mean, I've, uh, it, it means that my brain works a little different than a lot Absolutely. of people. Absolutely. But it has it does done wonderful things in my career. I've I've accomplished a lot of things, and I think um, I have accomplished some of them because my brain is always going off in its own directions. It's like I didn't come up with a really practical way to grow food on Mars because I was focusing on my day job. <laughs> oh, I I just. I like to come up with unusual ideas. I, I love to think about things that other people aren't thinking about, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brain does it whether I want it to or not. So I just have figured out ways to to make use of that. Nothing wrong with being creative and different. I know a lot of people tend to think that I'm a little different. I'm a little reserved, you know, I'm very creative. I'm always thinking about how my foundation can help more 
So I come up with all these ideals and I create jobs within my foundation. And it doesn't stop there because I'm such an empath that I want to see people move forward in life. I want to see our girls move forward in life and be more independent upon themselves. And see, my mom taught me that you be independent and you be smart, Pamela. And when you meet that rich guy, he only brings value, nothing else. That's value. (laughs) You don't need him. You just want him. That's a different thing. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, my mother, uh, I have two brothers. Um, and, uh, we, my mother was divorced when my younger brother was a babe in arms and I was three. Um, and she had no skills and she went on to get her master's degree and, uh, support her three kids and, um, is doing fine and has given, she, she has given each of us a house basically (laughs) as, as her legacy that she, she gave us each a house. And I thought that was amazing that she went from single mom with no skills to able to give each one of her children uh, the education they wanted and, and a home. Um, And I thought that was just, uh, she's kind of my role model. That's a blessing. I I I want to be her when I grow up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) World myth. In explosive chemistry, we get to meet some native myths and monsters. Tell me more about that, because I found that to be very interesting. I think explosive chemistry just starts to introduce um, that. I I pretty much in precise, so stuck with the like Western European um, mythical characters that we're kind of used to, like the you know the Irish. Um, fairies and the the goblins and the um you know we're we're kind of used to that mythology mm-hmm. but the united states is a big it's got everybody from all over the world coming to this place and so you're going to have african myths and you're going to have chinese myths and you're going to have you know every single kind of myth in the world they all came here and there were already people here <laughs> Right. So they're going to be, they have their own legends and their own myths and their own um, creatures, uh, you know, that mm, go bump in the night. Um, So essentially what I have, I have introduced uh, one or two very small, very, it's just kind of, it's kind of like the romance. It's a slow build. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But we've just started to get, I mean, we've got a a major character, um, uh, John Running Wolf, who actually was who was introduced very briefly in the first book, he gets a little bit more prominent in the second book and and keeps building. Um, and he actually he's a were badger named after um, the first guy I was uh, I was engaged to in high school, and uh, who is still a friend. I still talk to him every now and then. And I had asked him, "Is it okay if I name a were badger character after you?" And he was like, "Yeah, go ahead, that's cool." <laughs> and um, so it's just the idea of the the myths from the rest of the world coming to this world and the myths that were already here coming in conflict. Um, and I think, you know, we have this awful history of let's wipe them out and replace them all with our own, you know. 
Right. And I kind of, I have a chance to yeah, maybe make that come out a little different <laughs> than, than it did the first time, you know? Okay. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. Yeah, it's it's definitely not going to not going to be quite the same. Um, and especially with Liliana in the middle of it, um, inviting people over for tea. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's the um, coolest thing about your most recent book? What's the coolest thing about it? I, 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 well, I, I've talked about Liliana a lot, but I think she's a, she's the coolest thing in many ways. Uh, a lot of urban fantasy, I think I mentioned that they're, they're kind of the same sort of archetype of mm -hmm. the badass female heroine. Right. And she is kind of badass, um, but she's eminently not the archetype. Um, she is a petite, uh, a person who looks like, you know, a ballerina, um, except she dresses like a gypsy fortune teller because she was raised in the circus. So there's this little tiny person um, who wears, you know, a rainbow of colors and um, makes her own clothes. So she's covered in velvet and, and sparklies and, and she just enjoys it. And um, she's neurodivergent. Um, she's not necessarily, uh, um, she's not necessarily autistic on the spectrum of autistic, but she has a lot of the same characteristics. The reason she's not is just because she's a fantasy character, not a real person. Um, so her problems are, are slightly different than a real person might have the problems, but it, it sort of ends up with the same, she ends up in the same journey of, I have, I process things differently than everyone else. I am socially not real great, um, but I'm still in this situation where I, I have to solve huge problems and she's courageous and smart and she figures, she figures out ways to, to deal with the world on her own terms. Um, and that, uh, that is what makes her fun. Um, and I think it, to a certain extent, it, uh, it helps with the idea of, you know, Again, that's seeing yourself in there is like you just because you're a little neurodivergent doesn't mean you can't be a hero. You can't accomplish amazing things. And that's that's what I love about the main character. And she she kind of I I read um right I think I had about the second draft of the of the Liliana book, the first two or three done when I read um Martha Wells, uh the first book in her Murderbot Diaries. And it's mm -hmm. a science fiction book, but her main character, um, Secunit, is a construct. He's it is not human or a machine. A little bit of both, and it has to learn how to be human and um, antisocial. Would really rather watch TV than talk to people. And uh, <laughs> you know, so I realized that I loved I love Murderbot, and I realized that. Murderbot and Liliana are very similar in a lot of ways of almost fish out of water. I I am me and I'm very different and I have to deal with all you regular people right? <laughs> who are in my world. <laughs> um, and I think, I, I think all of us who are, have always have felt a little different um, at times can relate to that. Um, that feeling of, I have to get out there and do stuff, but, Man, the world is scary. <laughs> People are <Isn't> weird. <laughs> yes, totally. Oh, 
my God, got to do a prayer before we go out, right? Uh, maybe. <laughs> something hopefully there's something that'll help. <laughs> right. I know we talked about this, but I have to ask you again. Mixing genres <laughs> and explosive chemistry. Why do you think that? Why did I mix? Well, I always mix them. Um, but I think uh, explosive chemistry, the title is uh -huh. um, a double entendre because, you know, when the, the, the hero, hero kisses the heroine's hand, we have some serious chemistry going on there. Right. Um, and right. also there are things that will explode. <laughs> that, are that is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're not just two right there. Um, we've got a little bit of romance, a little bit of action. Um, That's right. I, I, I really enjoy um, mixing my metaphors a little, and I think it, it makes it easier to see the world um, when you look, look at it through uh, an eye, the eye of fiction. I think that's one of the things that, science fiction like Star Trek and, um, you know, some of the, the other, uh, the famous authors have done is point a finger at some of the issues without, mm -hmm. without being preachy while telling a good story um, in such a way that you can really think about it. And it's not so threatening. It's a little more comfortable to consider uh, things like, you know, you see the first interracial kiss on Star Trek in TV history. Um, and it was okay because you're like, we know these characters and we know this situation and this, this could happen, you know, and it's, it, it no longer seems foreign and alien. It seems like, Oh yeah, that could happen. Why, why, why not? And I think that's, uh, that's one of the beautiful things about fiction is it gives you that chance to imagine things without being, without feeling, without, without threatening your worldview, you can imagine it without being quite so invested in the way things are. So true. So true. If your main character showed up at your door and said, do this, what could that character say that you would absolutely immediately do? I would, I would do anything that Liliana told me to do in order to not die. <laughs> because it happens a lot in the books that she's like, she sees the future and um, she'll see something like, you got to buy new shoes or you're going to get hit by a car. <laughs> you're kind of like, what? and she's like, trust me on this. <laughs> and I'm like, I know the character well enough. I'd be like, cool. I'm buying yeah. it. <laughs> Um, it's kind of, well, you know, Murderbot is a good example. The, the, you know, if he comes, shows up and says, you know, in order to get, not get murdered, you need to do X. I'd be like, go right here. There we go. <laughs> Where I'm going. Where I'm going. Just, just point the direction. I'm with you. Do not pass go. Yes. That's right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Is she's, she spends a lot of time telling people to, to do weird things and they're, they're like, why? And she's like, you will not die if you do this. Right. And I was like, okay, I should do that. <laughs> Your main character, Liliana, is a kind of wear spider. Yes. Right? Yes, she is. So should 
archipods or arachnophobes. Yeah, people that are scared of spiders. Arachnophobes, I'm sorry. Stay away from your books. Yeah. I I, spider. I don't think Liliana is going to bother anybody. In fact, I had a couple of beta readers who were arachnophobes and who read it and were perfectly okay with Liliana. However, I strongly, I strongly suggest any arachnophobe start with book two, start with explosive chemistry and skip that first book entirely. You'll, you'll get enough information to go from there um, because uh, the, the, the villains are big, scary spiders. And they could give, I don't know, if you've read Lord of the Rings um, and Shelob, the giant scary spider in that. That was one of my favorite movies. It's like, I would not, um, I would absolutely not recommend any arachnophobe read. (laughs) For the same, you know, or Harry Potter, there's that section where all the spiders come after them. It's like the same idea. It's like, skip precise oaths. But after that, it's fine. Liliana is sweet. Everybody loves Liliana. That's that's not a problem. And what other books did did you have that I missed? That I did you have that you have novels? <laughs> well, way back in the day, I used mm-hmm. to write um, erotica. I wrote vampire stories and werewolf stories and science fiction. I was in in best erotic fantasy and science fiction that uh, Circlet Press put out uh, has one of my stories in it. Um, and then I switched gears completely and I wrote superhero fiction for a while. I have a couple of books out there, um, including I did The Dance and Dragon Diary. Um, and in the same world, I created a world for The Dance and Dragon Diary. One of the things I do a lot is world building. I'm really good at world building. Okay. Um, so I built this nice world. And all of my friends wanted to play in it. <laughs> so I have a lot of friends that are comic book writers or, wow. um, you know, that kind of thing, you know, other kinds of writers. And they were like, I want to write a story in this world. And so I ended up with a, a book called The Protectors, which is a book of um, short stories all written in my universe. And I wrote one or two of them, but most of them were written by um, by really cool writers. Um, uh alan porter writes uh um he writes 007 and star trek novels and um okay yeah Sherlock Holmes novels uh 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 marshall moresca uh had like a 12 book deal with daw he did a lot of um fantasy novels mm-hmm. um a bunch of uh game writers um like beth Bay and um uh, game illustrators. Uh, Dennis Lubay did a lot of the illustrations in it, and he used to do the covers for the Ultima games. Okay. Um, I am not sure what he's doing these days, but um, a lot. I mean, just a lot of really famous, really cool people. Jarrett Crippen. Um, I don't know if you saw Who Wants to Be a Superhero. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. With Stan Lee deciding who was who had what it took to be a superhero and the second season Jarrett Crippen actually won he was a, an Austin police officer um police detective for 25 years something like that okay and he basically had a superhero persona that he did for he did stranger danger and 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 a lot of outreach with kids and things like that um and he wrote one of he he kind of wrote one of the stories he co-wrote it with me because he loves to tell stories 
but he's not necessarily all that great as, at being a writer. So he, so I, I was like, tell me the weirdest thing that ever happened to you as a police officer. And he told me that story and I sort of made it a little bit fictionalized and put it in the book. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, so there's, there's that. And now he does a charity spook house um, for breast cancer. Um, okay. Beautiful. The last 10, 15 years, I guess. I, I used to be a volunteer um, in when I lived in Austin, I would, you know, a lot of times be uh, at least one year I was his assistant director. Um, I, you know, was sometimes the main villain. I did a lot of acting in it. My husband built a lot of the sets. Um, and actually, Jarrett took a break this year. So he's not directing it. My my older brother is. Wow. Uh, okay. Is actually um, the director. He was the director this year. Well, today is Halloween. So today is like, I think this was their last uh, performance already. So, but it was, they, they earn a lot of money for the breast cancer uh, charities in Texas. Um, wow, creating those beautiful those things and they you know and and i just know a lot of cool people they're very creative mm -hmm. um, and um it, it 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 worked out they all wanted to write stories in my world right so. <laughs> my dog is trying to i know i was like is that your dog here. <laughs> okay what kind of dog you have i have three dogs actually these two are they're Do you? um they're virtually identical they were they're i think kelpie uh Australian Kelpie mix dogs that were abandoned in my area and I adopted them. Um, okay. My other one is a, is, is a little Pomeranian. He's at the groomer today and he, uh, um, I, he's about 13. He, uh, he was a pup from my, uh, my daughter's had Pomeranian and my daughter had a oh. Pomeranian who had puppies and I have 13 years later, I still have the pup. <laughs> <laughs> was was a little more than a pup now he's kind of an old man but you know that's he's, right he's, he's in charge of everything so those dog years just has had thrown me off i didn't know that dogs were that old last time i had a dog i was 12 and i can't yeah. wait to get me a poodle i want a poodle i want a poodle and i want a cane corso yeah i think standard poodles are particularly cool i like i like them oh <laughs> I'm reading the Ilona Andrews, Kate Daniel series. Mm -hmm. At one point she gets a, a dog who is secretly like a hellhound or something, right. but he's a, he's a standard poodle. Really? <laughs> I'm just like, she <laughs> refers to him as her attack poodle. <laughs> That's hilarious. How cute. Love it. <laughs> That's cute. Do you yourself have any skills that end up in your books? I do. Um, a lot of times, well, like I said, I've been in the SCA for 40 years and I started out as a light weapons fighter. Um, so rapier, combat, uh, dagger, you know, small sword, that kind of thing. And uh, I also, my brother is a, uh, my older brother is a heavy weapons champion. Um, and I played around with heavy weapons a little bit. So that's like simulated broadsword and shield, spear, combat, you know, that kind of thing. Plus, like I said, I do archery um, and uh, thrown weapons. And I got to say, almost every book, somewhere along the way, the the, the analog geekery has snuck in. Um, I bet. I bet. <laughs> can't, can't help. But uh, because I, you know, I guess I, I, because I know a lot about the analytics that goes on in the world, um, that a lot of people just 
don't pay attention to. And I, I do, I know what's, what's happening. And so when, when something comes along, that's, that's in that area, I, I generally, you know, put in the geekery because yeah, you can't help yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my brain. So it, yeah, <laughs> it is, it is, but that's a kudos for you. That's good. I like that. And I think one of the things you said was about uh, women kind of getting, and for me, being able to give speeches and write books and things like that on, on very technical topics, Mm -hmm. it makes me feel good. It's like in, in many ways, I'm a, I, I, I didn't, I'm a mentor without realizing it. It's like, I didn't even know until like girls started contacting me on LinkedIn or at conferences and things like that. They were like, it's so cool to see you. I think it, to see, to see, to see somebody doing well, in this field and realize I'm not the only one. And I think that's, that's a theme in the fiction as well. It's like, see yourself um, doing well in this field. I, uh, um, I remember at some book at some, at some conference, I was, I was signing books and I was down to like the last copy I had of my book on, on machine learning, uh, data engineering stuff doing in database machine learning. And a lady walked up to me and she said, I am a data engineer and um, I'm really excited that, you know, that you're writing the book about this and that you're giving lectures on, on data engineering. Uh, as a woman, I was like, dude, this is your book. <laughs> this one is for you. Right. <laughs> it's like that, that is perfect. I am so excited. It's like, because when I was starting out in the field, I I can remember more than one time being in a team of 25 people and being the only girl. Um, yeah. I, I remember not too long ago at, at Hordenworks, me and uh, Yolanda Davis, who is uh, one of the, she, she was really prominent in girls who code in Atlanta for a while okay. um, and uh, worked for Hortonworks and now works for Cloudera. And she writes a lot of really amazing code and she's in charge of a, 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 um, a data flow, which is, I don't expect you to have heard of it, but it's, right. it's a pretty cool technology um, okay. in my space. And the fact that, you know, she and I were like the only girls in the whole team of 25, 30 people. And um, I just, uh, you know, I when you see somebody else, you're kind of like, thank goodness I'm not the only one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's really nice to see somebody succeed at it. And it kind of gives that the people just getting started at it feel a little bit less alone and a little bit more like, I can do that. She did Absolutely. it. I can do it. She can do it. Yes. Neil, uh, New Aero, what is that? New, new oral divergence? Neurodivergence. Yeah. Neuro, neurodivergence. Okay. You said, Paige, that some of us think even more differently than most. In your opinion, please explain. What do you mean by that? Well, I think, I mean, neurodivergence, it means, it means literally thinking differently. Um, and True. that can cover a lot of ground. Um, I, I, I'm ADHD and that makes me neurodivergent, um, in a lot of people's minds. Okay. That, that I, I fit in that. Um, and if, and you know, if you consider Liliana as, as autistic, then she fits in that. And yet 
being ADD and being autistic is not the same thing. <laughs> right. We, just, we both think differently, but we think differently in different ways. <laughs> and even, you know, autistic people who, who are in one part of the spectrum and another part of the spectrum, they don't think the same way. It's like they're different in different ways. And I think um, one of the things that I've enjoyed um, doing is pointing out that being different doesn't isn't i mean it, it's different it definitely gives you some problems in a world where everybody expects you to think one way right um, but it can also give you some advantages um because you think in a different way and sometimes being able to think in a different way can accomplish things that people who think the other way couldn't so i i, I like the fact that I like the fact that I, I made a hero, heroine. <laughs> oh, no, that's how I got with the word no divergence. I was like, okay. <laughs> I've made a heroine who mm -hmm. is who is different and yet still a heroine. She's still she's still out there saving lives and and fighting the good fight. So I that's think right. that's speaking of great leader, of a great leader. Growth leaders have phenomenal attributes, in my opinion. The criteria that helps a leader to efficiently grow is to become an empowering leader who is open to understanding and having a directive. I am honored to acknowledge those who enjoy inspiring others, especially the 45.5% of women speakers. Thank you. I, I salute every last one of you. Who are committed to help promote transformative growth, and that takes guts. I feel, in my opinion, we should always have the stage, even over entertainment, because we are the ones that are inspiring, changing lives, helping someone to recognize some of the issues that they have within, and that takes guts. I, I have a, a story to tell mm -hmm. you. Go ahead. So a few years back, I worked for a company where the CTO, so the, the technical leader of the company, was a woman. Okay. Um, and uh, she was a Turkish Muslim woman. So this is, she's several minorities there that she's like a very unusual person. Okay. Um, but she did fine. She didn't have any problems at all in her field, in her company, because they were, were a great company. So here's an example. I was at a technical sprint review where all, the, all the, the engineers and technical people in the company were in one room and I like counted them and I went, this is the first time I've ever done that. And 50% of the room is actually women. Wow. And the engineer who was sitting next to me, she said, oh, I hadn't noticed. Is that unusual? And I said, where have you worked? And she said, well, this, is my, this is my first job after college. I started here. <laughs> and the CTO was sitting behind me. And she said, I figured it out when I went to a customer advisory board meeting. So this is a meeting where you have, here's the company that makes the school software. And here's all the customers, you know, their, their CEOs, their CTOs, all their top executives that use the software and are going to give advice on where you should go from here. And she right. said, I sat in there with that room full of CTOs from all these other companies 
and I was the only woman in the room. And that was when I realized how extraordinary that company was. And I thought that was, that was a pretty unusual, exceptional thing. But I have, I have seen at technical conferences when I started out, maybe one in eight um, women. And it was pretty bad. And I remember there was always a line for the men's restroom and you had to cut through it to get to the women's restroom, which had no (laughs) because there was no, not that many women. Um, And lately I've gone to get technical conferences and seen one to four or even one to three and just been delighted. Absolutely. Changing over time. And I'm, I'm happy to see that. Absolutely. So tell me, Paige, what is next on your list of adventure for 2024? What's next? Well, actually, so I think I mentioned that all my grandkids are bilingual. Um, Yes. I have been studying Spanish like a big dog (laughs) for a year and a half trying to learn (laughs) Spanish. Um, The reason is that next month, next week, oh, my God, it's coming up fast. Um, I'm going on a cruise for 11 solid days. Wow. My daughter, her Mm -hmm. two little boys and, um, uh, her, her husband who is from Puerto Rico. Okay. And about 30 of his family, most of whom do not speak English. So, and we're going to South America. So we're going to countries that where Spanish is the first language. So if I, if I want to have a conversation with my in-laws, yeah, if I well, you do talk to people, I better learn Spanish. <laughs> you are so right about that because through my international program, uh, I do have, and I choose a couple of girls to go here, to come here in the United States and go to school. So my first two students, one was uh, Italian. No English whatsoever. You know what I had to use my 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 Google Voice, right? That <laughs> I think, was like I think that the the phone <laughs> translate yeah. up maybe my friend <laughs> for a while. But I'm I would like to at least you know be able to say please and thank you and uh, you know yes I reserved a table for two or you know the, things like um, that. You know how much is this cost or you know just simple things. I'd at least like to have a, a basic grasp of language and I'm I'm trying but I tell you I don't care what no one says Italian is really hard I mean you really have to study Italian I know it's got a little bit of Spanish there there isn't any language that you don't have to study or I'm telling you out of it (laughs) there is something is an easy we got to the basics in a couple of numbers but I was telling her I need you to be here more <laughs> so I can practice more. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. I, uh, I used to be fluent in ASL, oh, uh, American okay. Sign Language. I worked at the School for the Deaf for six or seven years, and uh, I probably could still hold a conversation with it if they went really slow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you don't practice, it just goes away. Absolutely. Page on your website, there's a message that resonated with me. And you said creating the life you want goes beyond simply hoping for it. You must act. Elaborate a little bit on that. Because that was that was a message. It's a good message. 
Yes, that, that, that is a very good message. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Um, but I, yeah, I agree. Um, I think uh, imagining is the first step, and then okay. finding ways to to make it happen is is where you. I mean, you you've kind of got to imagine your goal, and then figure out how to get there. It's like whether that's writing a book and getting it published or that's, you know, becoming a, a, a speaker on analytics or, you know, shooting an arrow into the bullseye or whatever it is you, you want to accomplish. It's like you first imagine yourself doing it and then figure out how do I get from where I am to, to that point. So true. I am a, a award-winning author of the new book of my book, has been out for some time, but it's called A Journey of a Sapphire. The book is about a girl who had overcame adversity on her journey towards success. And I hope to inspire others who have or who have gone through challenges and obstacles to never give up on your dreams and how to recognize behavioral problems. You can purchase my book on Amazon.com or go to the website, journeyofasapphire.com. And I just wanted to say that because I want to write my second novel to that. And I just, I'm going to tell you, and you give me some pointers here because I started and then I, I'm getting this writer's block because it seems like I'm so creative. I'm seeing too much at one time. And then I'm like, no, that's not what I, you know, I'm trying to say it this way. So what should I do? I got to well, get I, my second book out. I got to say, I am a dedicated pantser in that, you know, you write by the seat of the pants, you just sit down and start writing it. But when you try start trying to do a series, you have to, to a certain extent, plot it out and figure out, give yourself an outline, at least of, I want this to happen, this to happen, this to happen, this to happen. And I'm, okay. I'm very old school about it. I use okay. little index cards. I mean, there's all these cool softwares like Scrivener and yes. you know, this wonderful thing. And I just sit down and write it, write individual, like I want this to happen um, on a little three by five index. And I set it down. I want this to happen. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. this has to happen before that. Okay. I'm going to switch that, <laughs> you know, and, okay. and I keep going until I have like a full story. And then I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm missing a piece here. So I write another one and stick it in. It's like, well, this doesn't really fit. I take it out. And mm -hmm. when I'm done, I usually have a pretty decent outline of here's where I'm going to start. Here's where I'm going to end. Here's what's going to happen along the way. And I take that and, and that's my outline. And that's what I write from. Okay. Actually, okay. If you're looking to write another novel, tomorrow is the beginning of NaNoWriMo, which ironically, I grabbed a NaNoWriMo, I don't know if you can see it. Uh, yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Teacup. And <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't making my tea. <laughs> but NaNoWriMo is a National Novel Writing Month is what it stands for. And okay. um, it's a nonprofit that helps people essentially get past the writer's block and just, just write. Write yes. whatever is in your head, write mm -hmm. something, um, and it tries to get you to write about 50,000 words in a month, which is a pretty good chunk. Um, and it keeps you writing a little, at least a little bit every day, um, and it sort of builds up a good habit. And it's okay Absolutely. if you don't okay. make it, but it's really, 
it, it's kind of, I tell people, it's like, if you don't make it, then you still probably wrote more than you would have if you hadn't tried. Um, it's okay. a little bit like shooting for the stars so that you land on the moon, at least. All um, right. I love that Bless Brown quote, huh? <laughs> so we're headed up for time here, but Paige, it has been a pleasure having you on my show. Do you have any last minute comments you want to say and tell us how someone can purchase your novels? Oh, okay. Well, uh, if you go to pageewing.com, um, that's going to get you, uh, that's going to get you information. You know, you can sign up and get information on, on whatever books are coming out all the time, or you can go to Amazon and look up precise oaths. So exact swears, I guess, precise mm -hmm. oaths. Um, <laughs> and that is, uh, that will get you the beginning. And then, you know, we can, we can go from there. The new one comes out, uh, next month. Okay. That sounds great. Well, readers. I have reached my destination and I leave you with this quote, hard work spotlights the character of people. Some turn up their sleeves, some turn up their noses, and some don't turn up at all. Sam Ewing. Have a wonderful day and until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to All Roads 65 Max Radio with Pamela Henderson. Join us every other week on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on BBS Radio Station One. And please visit allroads65max.org and become a volunteer or sponsor and be the change you want to see in this world. With your help, we can make a difference in our society and uplift those who so desperately need our help. Thank you for tuning in.